Welcome to the fifth episode of the third series of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Musket, and in today's episode, I'll be talking to a woman who's using her customer experience skills to make a difference to people's lives in the nonprofit sector. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. She started a career in contact center operations at GE Capital before moving on to head up customer service at AXA, then leading people and culture transformation at O2, before taking an unusual CX leadership role at Lowell, a debt recovery group. Realising her love for creating better experiences in unexpected places, she moved into the non-profit housing association sector and is presently Director of Customer Services at Swan Housing Group. Please welcome to the show, CX sister, Sarah Sargent. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Claire. How are you doing today? I'm brilliant, thank you. Awesome. Welcome to the Women in CX podcast. Thank you. Thanks very much for inviting me to come along. And welcome to everybody listening along at home as well. So I'm so excited to have you here to have, I think, a much needed conversation about customer experience in the housing sector and in not-for-profit. Feeling ready? I'm ready. Yes. All right. Well, let's go. So I always ease our guests in with a, an easy question to get everyone, you know, just relaxed and warmed up. And that's just simply to tell me a little bit about how you got involved in customer experience. What's your journey been? Yeah, well, um, like a lot of women in CX, um, as the uh, the community's proven over the last few days, um, I started in hospitality. So a lot of us did, it seems, and um, working in coffee shops, in bars, in restaurants, um, really to earn some money through my studies. And um, I just loved serving people and, um, you know, seeing what difference it made when they had a great experience. And I'm the same when I have people come to my house um, and, you know, host meals. I'm not the best cook but I like to make the best experience as I can and um, I think that really um, that really kind of uh, cemented my desire to go into kind of service industry and um, I um, started actually in a really small market research agency leading the field force um, there which was great experience um, set up the first telephone interviewing unit um, and then worked my way up through contact centers um, with organizations like AXA and O2 um, and you're running pretty large multi-site multi-channel contact centers about 1500 people so um, that was really before CX was even a thing so um, you know you had your sales and marketing teams and you had your customer service teams um, but customer experience was still something um, not really talked about. Um, I got really interested as things started to change and organisations would have strap lines like putting the customer at the heart of everything that they do. And I think I think probably every organisation at some point has had that as a, mm. uh, as a bit of a mantra. Um, one organisation I was in at the time, it didn't ring true to me. It was like it, it was words on a page, but I could see certainly in the contact centre that I was leading, we were still managing agent performance on things like average handling time and occupancy rates. There was really nothing about the customer in the way that we were measuring performance mm. and recognising 
our people um, and that didn't feel right to me so um, I kind of um, this is you know it's back in 2004 so I know this is um, you know this is commonplace today but um, I led a real change to um, turn into customer measures not mm -hmm. business measures so taking away AHT um, from agents um, performance and putting in place things like repeat contacts right first time mm -hmm. and a much more focus on customer outcomes um, uh, and it was a real success and it led to real business improvement and customer satisfaction improvements as well and that got me much more into what the, what's really become CX today I guess which is really focusing on things from the customer's point of view and um, developing and designing experiences with that customer voice and insight at the heart of it and that's what I've done uh, for uh, for the the rest of my career but very much still focused in operational leadership because mm -hmm. I love leading teams I love leading people um, and I love seeing you know people drive and deliver that success so um, I've managed to do both in uh, the majority of the roles that I've had up to this point which is really exciting. Oh that sounds awesome and yes that statement putting the customer at the heart of everything you do I think every company I worked in had the same one but it was very much lip service and, and it's awesome to hear um, your story of being able to actually translate that into action um, I loved hearing you talk about you know the kind of business outcomes actually being driven by the customer outcomes and changing you know away from things that average handling time as measures for employees and actually putting in place right first time contact actually it was sees the same result doesn't it the cost will be decreased because the customer was served once <laughs> and sorted out rather than it going on for a longer time yeah. um and 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 yeah I think that the contact center industry is still progressing in that area isn't it it's still predominantly operational and the kind of customer leadership approach is still kind of clashing quite a lot with the operational side it is, you know, it's it's strange, you know, that was 2004. So we're still, you know, we're almost 20 years on from that. And um, yeah, progress has been made, but when it's not, you it's know, it's conversation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. There's still there's still room for improvement and there's still a way to go. And I think there's still that need to join up customer service and the marketing side of the business, mm. which is quite often where there's some dispute about who owns CX mm. and where does it sit. And actually, you know, it's owned by everybody across the organisation to to you know bring it all together. Totally agree, and it's one of the biggest red herring conversations around, isn't it? Who should own the customer experience? Like, if we just have somebody on the board that has it in their job title, everything will be okay. But that isn't the <laughs> case, because as you say, it's everybody's job, and it's more about how do you work across functions and silos to see the customer journey for one thing and then actually make change happen. Um, so it's awesome to have you here because um, you've done it. <laughs> you've got the badge. Um, so in, in that long kind of career through um, contact centers in, I guess, more the commercial space and moving into now nonprofit and the housing sector, there must have been some moments that really shaped you along the way. Could you just tell us about one of them? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to go way back, actually. And it's something quite personal from my um, 
early days, which I think is, I, I'll, I'll bring it back to how it shaped my career, but um, you know, I grew up in North Northumberland. Um, I'm a farmer's daughter from a really small rural community. Now, nobody went to university. And if you were a woman, you were just expected to get married, ideally to a farmer or somebody that could help the farm in some way. Um, you might have a little job on the side, but you know, really you were there to get married. And, um, and that's the environment that I grew up in and that was the expectation of me or rather there was really no expectation of me mm. and um, so I kind of you know went along with that for a long time um, I uh, did my A-levels but totally um, bombed them because I was in a relationship at the time and everybody expected we'd get married and mm. um, so I you know I didn't really think much of it I got a little job in a bank as a bank teller um, and that was going to be my future and then I saw friends going to university and having a brilliant time and I thought do you know what I I I think I can do a lot more than mm. than the expectations of me but um, I had to kind of for the first time in my life rail against people who you know thought they had my best interests at heart and um, I had to stand up for myself and say no do you know what I want more than this um, so I um, applied to go to university um, and um, you know I really displeased my parents I must say um, and they sent me away with a you know we're not paying for this you've got a good job you've got a great future ahead of you so you know if you want to do this you do it by yourself and um and so I so I did and um you know I worked my way through mm -hmm. university and I, and I paid for myself and um you know I've got a great relationship with my my parents today I still don't think they know what I do mm. but um I think they're proud of me now in their own way but I think you know that experience for me taught me a huge lesson which was you know and I think coming back to the whole hospitality thing is you know um I think you know at, at my core I'm here to serve and and I am and I can be a people pleaser mm. um but actually at that point in my life where it really mattered and something mm. was really important to me I stepped outside of that and said now I've got to make a decision that's right for me even though it's not going to please people around me and um I think that's something that has just stayed with me through my career and I think there's probably a handful of moments where I felt so passionate about something and seen the opportunity to change something that it's really you know in the face of a lot of resistance mm. I stuck to my guns and and delivered something and you know that change around handling time and things like that came from that that feeling of no, this just feels right and intuitively I know it's the right thing to do so yeah so I you know I draw on those moments when I really need to and when the people pleaser in me is telling me just to carry on I you know I dig deep and remind myself of you know what comes from sticking to my guns so um so yes yeah, so kind of moving into CX not-for-profit and the housing sector I think I've got some experience having worked with a client in that space, but it was something I just was never aware of coming from the commercial world. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into that and, and what customer experience is in that sector and how it's evolving? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, for the last eight and a half years before I got into the housing sector, I was working in um, a private equity owned debt recovery company. Um, so hugely commercial and um, but very focused on customer. And um, over those six and a half years that I was there, made a 
a significant shift in the culture and the uh, the customer focus but it was kind of knowing that actually all of the benefits were going into the shareholders pockets mm -hmm. and um, when I took redundancy from that role um, I wanted to do something different I didn't just want to go back into another corporate commercial environment I'd done a lot of work working with vulnerable customers mm -hmm. in uh, the debt space and to me there was a kind of underserved population really so I started having a look around um, when I started my job search at what was out there and, and you know I I hadn't really considered the housing sector at all I didn't know anything about it um, and I didn't realize how huge it was and you know there's something like um, 1500 housing associations in the UK um, that number's reducing through consolidation but um, there is a you know and there's a huge need there's a million people waiting for social housing in the UK, a huge homeless um, uh, problem. And um, I was just fascinated by it, fascinated by being able to take what I'd learned in the commercial sector and my customer experience background and knowledge into a sector that was really just starting that journey and knowing that that opportunity to really make a big difference, not just to the organisation, but really to people's mm -hmm lives was just a real draw so it was deliberate for me to get into that uh into that sector um and yeah and, um, I absolutely love it I must say mm -hmm. yeah and I, again this really resonates with me kind of when I left corporate that feeling of everything that I'm doing you know making customers and employees lives better but ultimately the benefit really does go in the shareholder pocket and I similarly wanted to explore avenues where I could put my tools to work in the better service of others in a more social context so like education and housing were two particular client projects I was like just loved working on because I knew like the the scale of difference that you know this thinking in this space could make to people's lives and and to have a social benefit but like for anyone who's listening that isn't familiar like who would the customer be in this context of social housing yeah I mean using the term customer in social housing is fairly new actually mm. um so um and, and probably because actually um, a lot of housing associations don't just have a relationship with a social tenant, somebody who is renting a property mm. um, from usually a council waiting list, um, but actually serving a much broader base. So customers include those social housing tenants, but also shared owners, leaseholders um, and um, elderly residents mm. living in um extra care supported housing um, and swan the organization that i work for now also has um, a number of young people's foyers so supporting young people and particularly young women with children who've been excluded from their home environment mm -hmm. so there's you know it's a hugely important sector but covering such a wide um, uh, customer base mm, yeah fascinating and and great to hear like specific groups being called out there um but thinking about kind of like historically where this interest in customer experience in this sector has come from like I know like in the wake of Grenfell for example there was some kind of government legislation published about having to change the way that um, residents were treated when it comes to housing How, how's that like shaping how much focus is being put upon this as a an area of improvement and opportunity yeah I mean I think um 
you know, post-Grenfeller, I mean, it, a, a huge tragedy, but something that has, you know, really sparked change in the sector. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some more progressive housing associations were already well on that journey. And they were, I think one of the things you hear a lot of in social housing now is the, the phrase around, um, a commercial head with a social heart so that need to actually become more uh, commercially focused putting that you know and I'm going to say putting customers at the heart of uh, of the organization but really mean it um, mm. in this context because um, you know if you think about a lot of housing associations were born out of um, local authorities councils. and councils um, and um, you know are still trying to kind of shake off some of those shackles so something like um, you know, what was called resident involvement was very traditional, um, very uh, formal councils almost of engaged residents who might be um, certainly not representative of the whole demographic of the customer base, mm -hmm. but had a huge uh, voice in uh, how the organization was run, but really not representing customers. So there's a real shift to true customer involvement and customer engagement. Um, so you're seeing a lot more in the sector of um, not just um, surveys and feedback um, about you know, perceptions of the service and uh, levels of satisfaction, but a lot more co-creation where um, customers who are you know interested in um, digital for example can come and help to design and deliver website and digital tools and solutions to uh, customers who get involved in their own local community because um, a lot is about actually how to create um, safe places for people to live and to thrive and to uh, and to work so there's a lot of that local engagement going uh, going on as well but it's really using that customer voice to help make the right decisions mm. in the organization in in where best to spend money so you know money is um is pretty tight it comes from the rent and service charge income from the, from customers and um every penny counts so you know customers um, being involved in helping to shape the services is hugely um important um and i think it's it's really um seen that shift to taking on more digital solutions mm -hmm. and I don't think the housing sector will never be a leader in customer experience and will never be a leader in digital but that's probably a good thing because you can actually learn from where others um, and the early adopters have um, have perhaps not been so successful but that shift is definitely changing and um, and driving digital tools to support uh, customers. Mm. Interesting you say that though because a lot of companies talk about this aspiration of applying customer experience design. And as we understand it, it would be a thorough discovery of really listening to customers and employees to understand the challenges and opportunities and you know, innovating product services and experiences around customers. And then genuinely involving them in co-design isn't something I think that that many companies are doing. So in some ways, I think the case studies that are coming out through resident engagement groups and resident co-design, actually, there's a lot to be said about that being um, a leading case study example, because um, in reality, it so rarely genuinely happens. <laughs> um, and, and I think the way that those community engagement groups 
are managed well in like you say the leading agent um, agencies what we're talking about the <laughs> the leading housing association some of the work that I've seen coming out of there is fantastic and groundbreaking um so we can talk a bit more about those similarities and differences so we talked about you know the kind of whole notion of a customer actually residents don't very different groups very different um needs to be serviced and um I guess potentially quite a different culture and attitude around customer customer experience brand marketing that kind of thing than in, in the in the commercial or corporate sense um but yeah what would you say the main challenges and, and differences are as you've experienced them in, in this sector um i think one of the biggest ones is around the quality and quantity of data mm. um so i think again you know traditionally you would have um, you know, housing officers who would have a patch of um, properties and customers that they would serve and they might know everything there is to know about their customers and um, know and understand them really well. Um, but that insight is in their heads, not in a System. computer system somewhere. <laughs> so that um, desire to modernize and to move forward um, leads to a bit of a challenge in, um, in getting the right customer data and customer insight and I think you know as you said before customers are so different but traditionally again the sector has segmented customers based on the tenure of the homes that they live in so whether they're social rented or whether mm. they're leaseholders or whether they're shared owners or whether they're supported housing and the services have been designed around the tenures mm. not around who the customers are so i think there is a real shift now to segmentation based on behaviors and attitudes rather than the types of properties customers live in and i think that is really really important to try and break down the stigma that still exists around social housing and you know i've heard some some stories of you know some some of the customer needs and expectations are diametrically opposed so you might have a development which has an element of social housing and shared ownership um, and you have the shared owners who don't want to be next to what they call you know council housing and and so there's a way of actually how do you create those communities so that everybody can coexist because um, they're not labeled by the type of customer that they are but actually who they are and I think that is going to be a real shift that's needed in the uh, mm. the coming years to really overcome that and and reduce that stigma yeah um, and then I suppose it's like the legacy systems and the legacy culture that come with older environments isn't it so as you say the housing associations have typically grown out of ex councils or um what was the word you used <laughs> Uh, local authorities local authority. yeah. yeah yeah so systems and processes are kind of from that public sector environment yeah that weren't really designed around any kind of customer need um so how do you see this unfolding in years to come what would you like to see happen in the not-for-profit sector and housing yeah. especially <laughs> yeah I mean I would say you know one thing to mention earlier is I think you know there's a lot of learning that can be taken from digital transformations that you know, we all have had those experiences that haven't worked so well. So I think the housing sector can absolutely learn um, from those and really harness digital in a really, uh, in, in a way that really supports customers and um, still provides customers that channel of choice um, so that the digital 
um, channels are there and work so well that why would you ever use any other channel but equally if you've got a leaking ceiling and your lounge is being flooded you don't want to be lost in an IVR system or you know go around on a uh, on a chatbot loop you want to talk to somebody and you want to talk to somebody straight away so I think um, it's about using uh, customer journeys and designing the right journeys for customers where digital is a solution not you don't start with the tech you start with what's the need and um and, and you know what are customers going through and how do you best serve and support them so i think there's a real opportunity to to do that well and to do that right um in the sector um and you know the sector is full of people who are passionate about um, social housing and really want to be part of this journey so I think culturally there is a big shift needed um, it's a way of breaking down those silos and working in a much smarter way um, but I think the the sector is definitely ready to embrace that so um, I would really love to see um, to see that shift and um, you, know, you look at UK CSI where um, the public services, the local uh, sector, which is where housing associations sit as a sector is only a couple of points behind the average UK CSI, but within that housing associations are about five points below that. So um, I would really love to see um, housing associations at least as, um, as, as good as other um, services that customers are experiencing because you know why sh why shouldn't it be mm -hmm. well, we set the target there <laughs> <laughs> nice clear one um yeah and i just was going to agree really that um steve jobs quote was a great one you know don't start with the technology start with the customer and figure out what technology is needed in order yeah. to to serve but i don't think um that sector is on its own or unique in, in sometimes technology leading the decisions that seems to be something that happens everywhere but I can only hope that the power of resident engagement groups and some of the different ways of listening can help to support um, a stronger case for why yeah definitely and I can be done better yeah yeah and do you know what I think um, you know money is um, you, you have to spend every pound wisely in the sector you know there is so much um, competing uh, priorities. So, you know, post Grenfell, the focus on fire safety has meant, you know, putting in waking watches who mm -hmm. are, you know, actually physical fire wardens 24 seven wow. providing support for residents until the cladding um, is all mm -hmm. fixed. That's a huge cost to housing associations, as is the um, you know, the carbon agenda, um, as is all of the requirements coming from the social housing white paper. So there's a real, it's really important to spend money wisely um, and to be able to, um, you, you know, to, to demonstrate the return on investment from every penny that you spend, which again is something that housing associations haven't necessarily been brilliant at in the past, but that's where the business head and social heart comes in is is actually being able to you know put some financial benefits against the changes that you're you're going to bring and and then spend money more wisely
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can't wait to read more about this in the blog that you're writing for Voices of Women in CX, which will also be out today. And that's about the ROI of CX in non-for-profit um, organizations. So Sarah, before we leave us, uh, what would your one piece of advice or one big takeaway be for our audience listening along? Yeah, I mean, I think going back to uh, my very early experience and how that served me in my career all the way through, I would say don't be afraid to trust your intuition. Um, People also always talk about data, 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 and you do have to back everything up with data. But if you intuitively feel something's right, then find the data to support that and um, and just do it. And um, I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever had was about you think big, start small, scale fast. Yeah. Um, so don't be afraid to fail, do something, prove it and then um, and then do it even bigger. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. Awesome pieces of advice. And I think the one that will stick with me was about having a commercial brain, but with heart. (laughs) That's a great one to take away. So I'd just like to say thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. You're very welcome, Claire. It's been a pleasure. And thanks to everyone for listening along at home. And yeah, see you next week. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Muscat. If you enjoyed the show, please drop us a like, subscribe and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more, please join us at womenincx.community and follow the Women in CX page on LinkedIn. Join us again in two weeks time where I'll be talking to a customer experience leader at retail giant Amazon. See you all in two weeks.